This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Rebels, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast, episode 27. Today's podcast is with Christina Kay, and we're talking all about thrillers and how to up the ante, pace, and tension in your novels. But first, to last week's question. I asked, what is your best free or cheap marketing tip? HB Line nailed it on the head for me. She said, I think the best free marketing thing is to start a mailing list and do free promos and list swaps with other authors to grow it. And I couldn't agree more. I think my mailing list is one of my most important assets. Ritu said, start a blog or get a following on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Once you establish yourself, you will find many people ready to help promote your books or services for free. Blog tours, sharing posts, images and reviews all help. Amy Sund said, tough to answer this one as I haven't found anything that is working really well. I have to say having patience though is uh, something because garnering a following doesn't happen overnight from what she can tell. And I agree some, you know, to get a large following takes years of effort and time and work. There are very few people who uh, truly become an overnight success. And there is that famous saying that goes something like, Uh, behind every overnight success is 10 years of work and I couldn't agree more. This week's question is what's keeping you sane during a lockdown? For me personally it is reading. I have or I was in a bit of a reading funk and um, I (laughs) concerned I wouldn't hit my reading goal for this year but I have managed to pick up the pace again this week and um so yes I would say reading is what is keeping me sane which leads me very nicely onto this week's book recommendation which comes from Katie Forrest who recommended Untamed by Glennon Doyle so this is a um, self-help it's sort of motivational inspirational um, book and um, a couple of my friends now have read it and I haven't but I have ordered it and it has arrived so I will be reading that shortly and if anybody else actually has um, a book that they've read um, recently that they would like to be the book recommendation of the week you can always tweet me at rebel author pod or drop me an email or message me um, in in the rebel authors facebook group so in personal uh, updates then last week whoa it was a roller coaster i fell really behind on um core getting words done um, but I did spend some time refat- refatting. <laughs> yes, I spent time refatting. Um, no, reformatting my old workbooks. Um, and so by that, I mean my 13 Steps to Evil and my 10 Steps to Hero workbooks. Um, I've decided to just slightly change the formatting so that there's more space um, for answers in them. And uh, I'm doing that partly because... Um, 
it's always annoyed me and also because Ingram Spark have uh, free revisions until the end of May so it makes sense for me to prioritize that now because I'm probably going to save myself about 300 quid if I um, upload all of my revised files uh, in the next month. I've also been trying to be a good publisher and um, I finally managed to register with PLR, which is the public lending right, um, which is in any Commonwealth country. If uh, you have books that are in libraries, um, the PLR will do a scan once a year. And if they find one of your books in one of the libraries that they choose to scan, then you get some money, uh, which is basically a substitute for the loss of um, sale. Um, but yeah, because I guess they want to have free books in Commonwealth countries in their libraries. And I've also been doing other tasks like updating ISBNs on Nielsen, which is the UK um, ISBN uh, company store thing, jobby, whatever, being a good publisher, basically. This week, I need to focus on four things. <laughs> which I just, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But anyway, I need to focus on marketing the anatomy of prose, working on the course, the companion course. Last week, I had a consultancy session with one of my friends who is a teacher. Um, and I've taken Joanna Penn's How to Create a Course course. Um, and so after the, the consultation with my friend who's a teacher, I feel a lot more confident. So yes, I now have some amazing ideas about how I can... Um, take the book and turn it into a course. So I am super excited for working on that. And then I also need to work on a nonfiction project, uh, which I can't talk about still. And then last, but by no means least, I need to dig out Trey, which is my third um, young adult fantasy book, which is not really young adult anymore. But anyway, um, my, my fantasy book, which is almost finished, and I just need to have a bit of a skim of that, really, um, to refresh my mind so that I can start working on it again oh my days um okay so you can still order the anatomy of prose pre-order the anatomy of prose it is now um pre-orderable that's totally a word um in ebook paperback and hardback um the hardback went live this week the audiobook will be coming and I will be narrating it, uh, but it will be coming um, towards the end of the year. Now, the reason for that is because we we have just had an offer accepted on a house. So, um, I mean, we are, this is one of the reasons last week was such a roller coaster. As anybody who has brought a house knows, this can still fall through at any point until the ink is dry on the paper. I am holding my breath, um, but, if if the mortgage goes through this week and you know we get a completion date and blah 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 if we get it through completion which we should know sort of in the next four weeks i think four to six weeks um then i am going to be building an audio booth in my new office so i have decided to wait because I want the audio to be the best quality and consistent. So I don't want to start here and then have to finish it there. So that is why there will be a delay on that. 
However, if you would like more of my dulcet tones, then you can always listen to Next Level Authors, which is my new podcast with Dan Wilcox. And that airs every Tuesday, and I will include links to the YouTube, um, the uh, podcast RSS feed, and our Facebook group. Okay, Listener Rebel of the Week this week is Meg Cowley. So Meg says, a moment fueled by gin and untamed. And yes, that is the book of the week that I have recommended. Um, I've ordered my son a doll for his birthday next week. I didn't ask his dad's permission and he has no idea. I'll laugh at the shock on his face when he sees it on the day. I feel really strongly about this. As much as I try not to gender bias his upbringing, and he is fairly emotionally sensitive and aware, his toys and play are boyish, and I want to make sure he has an opportunity to nurture too. He, love, he loves dolls at nursery. I think he would really adore having a dolly to play with and look after it. And it annoys me so much that I feel ashamed and conflicted about buying him this. So I brought it. Fuck the societal box we are expected to put him in as a male. I just adore this story. It is so rebellious against society. But why? Like, why is it rebellious? It shouldn't be. But I suppose these are the boxes that society likes to draw for us. If you'd like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or somewhere in between. You can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod. No new patrons this week, but as always, I wanted to say a huge thank you to my current patrons who are helping to ensure that this podcast continues. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of the bonus essays, posts and content, you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black and that's Sasha with a C and not an S. And for all those patrons who are at the $5 and $10 level, I will be adding a Slack channel before the month is out. So that will be a brand new benefit for all of you guys. This week's episode is sponsored by Kobo, so I'll play a quick word from the sponsor and then we'll get on with the show. Hi, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Tara. And we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors, and our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. Our author-first approach is why we built our promotions tool, an easy and affordable way for you to market your book directly to Kobo readers right in the KWL dashboard. We post upcoming Kobo sales, many of which are exclusive to KWL authors. We offer lots of promos that don't require you to drop the price, because we know when you're publishing wide, it's a pain to coordinate pricing across multiple retailers. Are you using free as a marketing strategy? You can submit your books to be featured on Kobo's free page, which gets a ton of traffic. If you're a KWL author and don't yet have access to the promotions tool, email us at writinglife@kobo.com and we'll get you sorted. We're all about providing stellar support. If you want to learn more about KWL, check out the Kobo Writing Life podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social. You can create your free account at kobo.com slash writinglife. We hope to see your books on Kobo soon. Happy, Happy writing! writing. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am with Christina Kay. 
Christina is an award-winning author, editor, and writing coach. Christina was born and raised in Kentucky, where she still resides with her two adult-ish daughters, two wild doggies, and a very fat cat. Welcome, Christina. Hi. Thank you, Sasha, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, you are most welcome. Um, it is an absolute honor. So tell everybody a little bit about you, what you do, where you are, how you got to where you are, and, and, and your writing journey. Okay. Well, it's kind of a crazy one. It's, it's a little bit different than most people's, but I actually, I enjoyed writing when I was a teenager um, in high school. I always loved when we had essay questions, but I didn't really write books until the last 10 years. Um, and the way that came about was I've been a, my, my day job has always been working as a paralegal, which is for those who don't know what it is, it's like the nurses to a doctor, a paralegal is to a solicitor or an attorney. Um, and so I've been working in the legal field for years. And one day I was asked to write an article on what it's like to be a paralegal. And I wrote the article and it was a national attorneys magazine. And I got all these great comments and they were like, oh, your writing is so funny. It's so great. Oh, you should write a book. You should write a book. I started hearing you should write a book. And I'd never thought of it before. And finally, I just heard it enough that I was like, okay, sure. I'll try writing a book. So I wrote this book that was just awful. I mean, <laughs> it was, it seemed so funny and great and wonderful at the time. But looking back now, I don't honestly even know where it is. Um, you know, it was about a young girl from Kentucky who gets cast on a reality show and she gets cast as a villain and that's it. There was no story arc. There was no, you know, character development. There was nothing. Um, and so I just decided, okay, if I'm going to do this, I really liked it. I enjoyed writing. Um, but that book was never going to see the light of day. So I just have spent the last 10 years basically devouring every bit of information, listening to podcasts like yours you know, taking online courses, working with an editor, doing all this stuff. And now you fast forward 10 years or so now, and I do have a literary agent. Um, I've been published six times traditionally. As you mentioned, I won a national book award um, for one of my novels, and it was a suspense novel. And now I own my own editing company where I provide editing and author coaching services, like you mentioned, for authors who are struggling to write their books. And that's kind of how I got here. I never, like I said, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have even thought I'd be where I am today, but I'm very, very pleased with the way things turned out. It's amazing. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this kind of theme, but there are a lot of lawyers who write like a books, but also in the kind of mystery thriller suspense. Like, I don't know why that is. Why are there so many lawyers doing that? I mean, that's not a real question. It's a rhetorical yeah. question. But, you <laughs> it's, know. A, yeah, it's a good, a hypothetical question. I'll have to think on that. <laughs> yeah. But that is a good point. You're right. There are. There are so many. I think it must be, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure we that- We could guess all day long, couldn't we? Yeah. There are also, I know also know, uh, know a lot of like ex-police officers also. Yeah. And mm -hmm. also a big tranche. One of my uh, writing friends was telling me the other day that he's noticed a, a big trend in project managers. And I used to be a project manager. So Really? Both of yeah. my parents are certified project managers. No way. Yeah. yeah. I did not get this type A gene from that. I did not get that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so left brain. It's so right, right. It's crazy. 
Um, okay, well, we are here to talk about creating suspense in stories. So tell everybody a little bit about the pillars of creating suspense. What are the foundations of how you do it? Okay, that's a great question. And in, in my opinion, I, I could probably do it. We could do an entire podcast episode on this one question alone, um, because there are so many pillars, but I think if you have to break it down there, I would say there are three key pillars. Um, they would be pacing, um, and, uh, let's see here, pacing structure and a good twist ending. I believe if you have those three elements, then you're going to have a suspense novel that is not only a good read, but that is very effective and probably will do pretty well. Um, with pacing, you know, there's with a thriller. Now people don't realize there is a difference between suspense and thriller. They're in the same main genre, but they're two sub genres that are different. Um, and with a thriller now, you know, like a John Christian book, even the, like we're talking about the legal thrillers um, or a Dan Brown book, it's fast paced. He's trying to beat the clock. He's trying to, um, you know, literally run for his life. A suspense, though, can be more slow burning. Uh, it can be a little bit more of a slower, slower to develop plot. Um, so you got to have the pacing just right. You can't go too fast with it uh, and kind of step outside the genre, but you also can't go too slow or you'll bore your readers. As far as structure goes, you want to have, um, and I'll, I'll, we can dive more into it a little bit later, but you want to have a good structure in that you got to have a good, I, I follow the three act method or the hero's journey. Um, and you just want to have a, make sure that you have a very distinctive beginning, middle, and end to your suspense novel. You know, the beginning is going to be where you introduce the protagonist in her world before the conflict is, is introduced. And then you've got the middle where the conflict is introduced and then she's chasing the bad guy and whatnot. And then you've got the climax and the ending. So those, that's the structure of a good suspense novel. And then the third that I touched on was a good twist ending. Now, I don't think a twist ending is necessarily 100% guaranteed you must have one, but I think in this day and age, a lot of readers are looking for them after you had Gone Girl, after you had Girl on the Train, after you had these more recent suspense novels that have become really popular, I think readers are expecting kind of an, it doesn't have to be this big mind blowing, earth shattering revelation, but something, something twisty at the end that the reader didn't expect. Um, and I think if you have those three elements, at least those three, then you probably are off to a good start. My brain is boggling already because I, <laughs> I, I write uh, young adult fantasy, but um, I like to have quite pacey novels. So I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. how could I put these tricks and tips like, you know, into my own novels? Um, what, what mistakes do you see authors making when they try to create suspense? Well, again, I think that goes back to the pacing issue. A lot of suspense authors um, that are new to this, they struggle with that. They, you know, since suspense novels can have sort of a slow burn when it comes to pacing, they tend to sometimes take it too slow. Um, and so I think that there's, you want to have some sort of element throughout your novel, whether it's in your subplots and or your main plot, you want to have something that, keeps the reader wanting to turn the page. So um, again, we can get into it a little more detail later, but um, you basically want to make sure that the reader can't put down the book, even if it's 3 a.m., even if it's the end of their lunch break, whatever it is, 
you want to have them at the end of each chapter saying, Ugh, I got to turn the page and see what happens next. And that's the biggest mistake I think that I see some of my clients making that are trying to write suspense novels is they've got a good, you know, bad guy, good guy vibe going and the, here's, here's the murder and here's what happened. But you've got to have that slow burning suspense, um, flip the page as, you know, make them flip the page as often as they can. I think that's the biggest mistake that they make. And thinking about that pacing, what, what, how do you know when you've got it right? What are the, um, how do you, how do you speed it up? How do you slow it down? What are the things that you personally do to um, create the right pacing? Well, as far as taking it too fast, you know, you've taken it too fast when you either a reader, a beta reader, an editor, or someone else reads it and they, they get confused as far as where, how we got from this point to that point. And you usually wind up when you go too fast, you know, you've skipped something. You've not given us some crucial elements. You've left out some details or how protagonist got from point A in this one chapter, all of a sudden she's in the next chapter and she's in a completely different location. You didn't explain how she got there. I mean, you don't have to have her walk to the car, put the key in the latch, turn the key. You don't have to do that, but you do need to show how we get from every transitional point. Um, and so if you're going too fast, you'll know you've done it because you've missed things. You've missed key elements. If you're going too slow, then you usually you could tell because the feedback that you get will be like, I lost interest or I wanted to skim. And I, I hate telling my clients that, but I do tell them, you know, I found myself wanting to skim in this chapter and you want to avoid that if at all possible. So if you're getting too detailed in your setting, too detailed in your description, that's going to bring your pacing down too slow. Okay. And so what about sentence level tricks and tips? What could, you know, I have quite a, an obsession with prose at the moment. I'm just coming up to finishing um, a book called The Anatomy of Prose. So I'm really interested in how, how these sort of higher level book tactics you know, sprinkle down into the sentence. What can writers do to create more suspense at the sentence level? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the best thing you can do at a, at a sentence level to create suspense is the old adage that everyone's probably tired of hearing by now, but it is so true, especially in suspense, is show, don't tell. Okay, but let me get into that a little bit and explain in suspense specifically why show, don't tell is so important. Um, like, let's say maybe at the beginning of a scene or chapter, there's nothing really uh, to set off any alarm bells. And so your character is just going to check the mail um, and she opens up the mail and she's flipping through. And then there's a white envelope with her name printed across it. Um, on a sentence level, if you just said she opened the mail and she was scared or she was frightened, you know, that's kind of not building very much suspense for the reader because you've told us you've told us she's scared. You haven't actually shown us how she feels inside. But if you could take that same scenario and she's looking through the mail and she sees the envelope and all of a sudden her hand flies to her mouth, which is open and she has to fight back the bile that rises in her throat and her heart is beating rapidly as she looks down at the lettering, at the scribbled lettering on the, I mean, if you do that, all of a sudden the reader now is feeling what the protagonist is feeling. And so they're going to feel the same level of suspense, intrigue, fright, scared, whatever it is that the protagonist is feeling. Now the reader's going to feel it, which adds that element of suspense. So I guess the basic 
best answer is at a structure at a sentence structure level, the best way to break it down is just to be sure that you are without using adverbs and adjectives too much, that you are showing the reader how the character feels in that moment of suspense and not just telling them she was frightened. Absolutely. And you know, even in that example, I heard lots of um, like visceral reactions. That's often something because uh, I do developmental editing and I'm often saying, yes, but how, 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 how are they feeling? And I don't mean to name the emotion. I mean the visceral bodily reactions yes. um, because that we all know what the flutter of ad- adrenaline feels like or the roaring, you know, thunder of blood in our ears when we're, you know, either afraid or excited or, you know, shocked. So, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and what about chapter beginnings and endings? Because obviously that they are key to making sure that a reader continues through. They will, you know, you'll, you, the, the ideal is to hook a reader at the end of one chapter straight into the next one. So what can you do at the beginnings and ends of chapters in order to create enough suspense to pull a reader through? That's a great question, too. And as I stated earlier, um, I kind of touched on it a little bit, uh, was the, like you just mentioned also, is the ending of the chapter. In my opinion, anyway, the end of each chapter in a suspense novel or thriller, but even in suspense specifically, you want to leave some, even in a small level, unanswered question for the reader. Doesn't have to be a big jaw-dropping revelation, but actually in fact you're not gonna reveal at the end of each chapter the best example i can think of is from uh, my book that's that's currently being shopped right now so i won't give too much away but with the uh the the bad guy is in the protagonist's house uh for whatever reason i won't get into he's in the protagonist's house and he's looking through her bedroom late at night when she's gone away for whatever reason Um, and as he's exiting kind of dejected not finding what he wanted he catches glimpse of a of a photo in a frame on her nightstand. Now, when I first wrote the draft, I wrote that he picks it up and he looks at it and I told the reader what he saw and his reaction to it. Well, my editor got a hold of it and she's like, no, 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 no. You don't want to reveal what he saw at the end of the chapter. Leave them hanging. Let them wonder, make them flip the page to hopefully find out what he saw in that photo that made him now give his reaction say he looks at the photo and uh he feels like he's just had a shot of morphine he feels the blood rush through his body you know and his stomach drops to his knees but you don't show the reader what he saw that right there is going to be enough to add that element as far as the end of the chapter of suspense to where guess what even no matter how tired they are they're gonna flip that page because well, dang it, now I got to know what he saw in that picture frame. Mm. And then as far as the beginning of the chapter, my opinion is you're not going to reveal it even in the beginning of the next chapter. You want to leave there, make it last a chapter or two where we're like, what did he see for goodness sake? I got to know. But if you, I particularly like the, the device of doing alternate POVs in suspense because you get to see the protagonist and the antagonist and or other characters and their points of view throughout the thing. So if I were doing a book like that, I would end the chapter that way. And then the next chapter, I would switch the POV to a different uh, character and now create a new level of suspense for that character. And then maybe a chapter or two later reveal what he finally saw in that photograph. 
but you definitely want to make sure you don't never reveal. You want to always reveal eventually every loose end that you expose. You want to tie up, you know, everybody knows Chekhov's gun. Don't leave a gun hanging on the wall and it never shoots for God's sake. You have to tell us why that was shown to us and, and tell us don't, don't in the book and never tell us what he saw on the photograph. Um, and you'll have to read the book to see what he found out in the photograph. <laughs> but um, that's basically, I think, from the, you know how you handle the end of each chapter and the beginning. Don't doesn't have to be a huge cliffhanger, but definitely leave some unanswered question that makes the. Just think when you're finishing your chapter, would I be able to shut the book at this point and go to sleep, or would I be forced to flip the page? And if you could shut the page, shut the book, you need you got some work to do, and you got to change that. Yeah, I love that so much. I think it's in Stephen King's On Writing that he talks about how his wife is his first reader. And mm -hmm. whenever she puts the book down, he will go back and, you know, edit and rewrite because obviously he, you know, wasn't suspenseful enough um, that, that to keep her going. I, I mean, I don't know whether that means he, his aim is to have her not put the book down at all. I mean, that seems yeah, ridiculous. Right. But, one setting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of us need to pee. You know, I yeah. had a baby. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, yeah. it's a good idea. Um, but I do know that I, and I love this is why you were saying um, to leave the thread even not in the very next chapter because I have certainly read a lot of manuscripts when I've been editing that have said but little did he know blah 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 you yes. know and then basically reveal what's coming in the very next chapter and that is the antithesis of what you want to do you know you, exactly. you when we say leave them hanging we quite literally mean do not tell them what comes next um yes. yeah I love that I love that yes um okay any books or resource recommendations in particular uh, for those people who are wanting to create more suspense? Yes, I actually do have one highly recommended book that is a nonfiction book. And, and like I told you, when I was learning and coming up, you know, coming up in the, up the ladder with the whole writing journey, uh, one book that I read was called Sus uh, Mastering Suspense structure and plot and it's by Jane K. Cleland uh, if you want I'll send you a link but it's uh it's on Amazon and it's just a it's just a how to write a suspense book and it was so well written I read it front to back in two days made notes I still have my copy that's highlighted and, and dog-eared and it's it's a very very well written uh, it talks about, like you asked earlier, about how, what are the pillars of a suspense? This book handles that. This book talks about what you must have. Um, now, that's on the nonfiction side. And as far as great examples, I feel lately of great, well-pulled-off suspense novels, I have three. Um, my top three picks are Right Behind You, which is one of Lisa Garner's recent uh, Dee Dee Warren and Flora Dane series books. She does such a good job of keeping the level of suspense up in all those books, but especially this one. Um, and then you've got The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he handles pacing in this novel and suspenseful reveals like no other I've ever, I've ever read. Um, and then the most profound suspense novel I've read in the last year was The Chain by Adrian McKinty. It's a superb example of how to write a proper suspense novel from beginning to end. So 
now you've gotten two examples. One, you got a nonfiction kind of how-to book and then some good reads the, on the side for those who are looking for a good example of a well-written suspense novel. Uh, amazing. Thank you. I um, I think it's absolutely integral that, uh, you know, whichever genre you're uh, wanting to write, that you go not only and read a lot in your genre, but dissect, you know, forensically go down to the sentence level. What you know, how does the punctuation, how does the verb choice, how does the, you know, um, description, how, what techniques are they using? What literary devices are they using in order to be able to not mimic their voice, but to use those techniques in your voice or those devices in your voice. And the only way to do that is to go down and, you know, read consciously and and pull apart what people have done. Um, So thank you. Also, I'm definitely about to go and buy two of those for my wife. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I would put the pain at the top of your list. Yeah. 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 No, that was the one I was like, Oh, I think uh, my wife might like that one. (laughs) Um, Okay. This is the rebel author podcast. So tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Ah, you almost got me on that one because <laughs> everybody <laughs> says that. I know, I know, but I, I get because you know what? I really am vanilla. I am so vanilla. I just, I, I kind of live inside of my, you know, busy, busy life. So I don't really get to rebel very much, but, but I did think on this a little bit. And I believe that on short notice, the best answer I can give is that 2017, I did step out of my box quite a bit. That was a very monumental year for me. And I guess you could say I rebelled a little bit. I left a 15-year marriage that was just toxic and venomous in every way that had gone on 15 years too long. And so I kind of got away from that. I did get away from that. And that same year is the year that one of my books won a National Book Award. It's the same year I got my first literary agent. Um, and it's the same year that I opened my first freelance editing service and decided, you know what, I'm not going to be the stay at home wifey, go to work and do, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a boss, you know what, and I am going to build an empire of my own. And so, um, it's not just one occasion, but it's one year of me being a rebel, I guess you could say. Hell (laughs) yes. That's about as rebellious as I get. I love it. And like, I'm just sat over here, you know, girl power all the way. I love it. Um, Definitely a girl power moment. Yes. Yeah. Too right. Um, Tell listeners where they can find out more about you, your books and your podcast and all your services as well. Yes. Yes. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. So to learn about my books, you'll want to go to my author website, which is kind of a funky name. I need to get a new domain, but it's www.xtinakbooks.com. I'll send you a link. It's you'll never find it. Okay. <laughs> but if you Google Christina K, I will show up. But my author page has information on my so far six published novels, um, a little bit about me as a person, but a more up to date glimpse at what I've got going on now is going to be at my business website, which is www.topshelfedits. That's edits.com. And there you can learn about um, all the editing services that we offer. We offer author coaching. We offer, we even do, um, we write original slogans, taglines, and pitches for authors that are struggling with getting those done. We do query edits. 
it's a full service author resource. Uh, we also have speaking of author resources, a page where we let, we're starting to build this, where we have all of our vetted and personally, um, accepted, uh, designers for book covers, website designers, PAs, we've got, it's an author resource page. So basically all my clients and my viewers can look and find almost everything they could think of that they'd be looking for on that website, on the author resource page. Amazing. So, and the podcast is called? It's called Write Your Best Book, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or you can go to my website and on the podcast page, you can listen to the first three episodes, which have been released so far. Amazing. And I will put links to all of those things in the show notes. And I'll also put links to the books. Um, yeah, that would be fantastic. So we, yeah, all of those, anything that you've heard today will be in the show notes. Don't worry. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much to all of the show's patrons. Thank you very much to listeners. And thank you very much to Christina, our guest today. I'm Sasha thank Beck. you. Oh, I know. You're most welcome. Uh, I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Christina Kay, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I am joined by Joni DiPlacido, and Joni works for Kobo, so I feel like next week's episode is super special because you're going to get insider tips, tricks, um, and methods and tactics for working with Kobo directly. So tune in next week. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.